0: Hi, I'm Robert and I'm Keegan and you're listening to Brave New Space. We're pleased today to have the founder of New Space Hub, John Tucker. John, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here.
0: Excellent. So we're here. uh, I think we're all here in Southern California. We're dealing with a bit of a, a new reality right now. And when this airs, hopefully, um, some things will hopefully dissipate and be will have uh, will be behind us. Hopefully, um, when this airs, so hopefully you're well and healthy. So, John, first tell us tell us a bit about um, why you started the New Space Hub and what it is exactly. For many of those who won't know what it is,
1: I started New Space Hub as a like a shared Google spreadsheet about three three and a half years ago really to start capturing what was going on in the space industry around the world. So the startup companies that most people were hearing about, uh, even at the time, weren't were the big names coming out of the US. But I was aware that there were a lot of other companies and products and services for the space industry that were popping up in other countries. And, and uh, space entrepreneurship was really getting underway around the world broadly. So I wanted to to put together a database to to start tracking all of this stuff to start showing people what is out there and since that time it's it's kind of grown to be really really large database of space companies products and services organizations in countries around the world and that's kind of why we call it new space hub it's 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 sort of the, the hub for new space activity globally entrepreneurs have uh, used it for for inspiration and and reaching out to other entrepreneurs being able to to find Services that they could tap into themselves, uh, business professionals have used it for market research and insight, and investors have have used the database to, uh, to to see how the space financing has has started to what that financial landscape looks like around the world, where this the money in the space industry is going.
2: And this is a really important service that is really difficult to find in the space industry right now. I mean, if you want to learn about a space startup, Typically, you've got to go digging around, you know, sifting through TechCrunch or Crunchbase and trying to find one company in a haystack of millions of others broken up across a ton of different sectors. There are very few one-stop shops to look at the space industry at a glance, and the few that have attempted it aren't really walking around anymore. So New Space Hub represents absolutely vital service, especially for people who aren't typically familiar with the space industry.
1: Yeah. it's, it's some, it, You mentioned Crunchbase, and that's kind of what I... I didn't really know where this was going when I first started it. It was just a shared Google spreadsheet. But over time, it became pretty clear that the space industry needed something like a Crunchbase, but just dedicated to the space industry.
0: Absolutely. And what about um, definitions of what makes a company a, a space company or not? Because there might be those who are new to this industry that might just think about rockets and satellites. Can you share maybe a little further how the other, that there are other verticals and horizontals and how the the space definition is actually a lot more broad and interdisciplinary than some might first think.
1: Oh, absolutely. And quite honestly, that's something that uh, I, myself and other contributors to New Space Hub have sort of massaged and evolved over the years. Like what defines a space company? And we've kind of come to the, the current definition of a space company is a, a company, product, service, organization that leverages information from or operates in or supports efforts, develops technology or otherwise pushes the space industry envelope, even if they're terrestrial based or, or in space. So that means obviously launch companies, satellite companies, industry advocate groups, experiments or programs that universities are putting on. One thing that we've definitely made an effort to steer clear from are the aerospace companies that are quite clearly like quadcopters or recreational drone companies. While those are aerospace, we don't consider those space space. The the companies in the database are primarily B2B or B2C. And the intent is to bring to light a lot of companies that are bridging the gap between what space technology does. So you don't have to be building satellites or building rockets to be a space company. If you're taking data from a space company, turning that into something that a terrestrial industry could use, and you're kind of bridging that gap, then certainly we consider you a space company. A good example would be some space startups specifically around agriculture and farming. They're taking satellite imagery data, parsing it, and delivering over a phone app specifically to help farmers. Um, and we consider those space companies because they leverage that space data.
0: It's probably about time that there's more bifurcation of the industry, although they can influence each other in terms of aero and space.
2: There's so many many more differences. Back in the 60s, you could have easily claimed that the computer industry was part of the space industry because that was where the bulk of all microchip development was going towards. Yep. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting in the next few years of you know what companies we start to consider to be space companies and what companies that you know we could only ever think of as space companies that might, you know, start to establish their own you know, separate ecosystem. But John, there was one service you all provide that I think is extremely important that we didn't really get a chance to touch on all that much. And that was, you mentioned that your database also provides uh, resources to connect with university projects as well. Is that correct? Yes. Um, y-
1: university student space organizations or projects that universities are partnering with other universities or other space agencies to, to put on, we we have captured in the database as well.
2: Well, to our listeners who are a little bit unfamiliar with this aspect of the space industry, NASA puts on a program every year called the uh, SSTR program or STTR program, sorry, which is a technology ta- transfer grant that is primarily aimed at developing and fostering research into space technologies that NASA has partly developed, but they lean really hard on companies that are able to form partnerships with universities. So, this element of New Space Hub providing access to university projects is a great opportunity for startups to reach out and expand their intellectual infrastructure, if you will, and be able to take advantage of these grant opportunities that they would have a harder time getting as purely private entities. So this is a, I think a hugely important, uh, element of what you're doing that is extremely underserved in the marketplace right now.
1: Yeah. That, that's something that, um, university researchers and students have even, uh, told me and, and other members of new space have that, that they find really valuable in the database. And to investors and and space entrepreneurs out there, they certainly may not know of just all of the technology transfer opportunities that are available from space agencies, not just NASA, but but even the European Space Agency, the Japanese Space Agency. There are opportunities out there that, that you might not realize where you could leverage a lot of research and development that's already happened for whatever your endeavor might be.
0: What about other areas outside of the U.S.? Because I meet a lot of um, builders and entrepreneurs outside of the U.S. who are are really, I mean, they've got great ideas about the space industry. They want to be involved, but they're living, you know, they don't have, they're not as fortunate to live in a technology hub, let alone in the United States or maybe even Europe. Have you seen emerging interest in some of these, you know, lesser popular areas for space? And any thoughts on kind of um, how these sort of micro, they might be micro for now, can maybe emerge? You know, it might be parts of Africa. I could think of uh, South America, maybe Southeast Asia.
1: Yeah. We've certainly seen and, and been excited about these space efforts that have grown in regions that you might not have expected in South Africa, in India, in Tel Aviv. Because there isn't as much of a space presence, a lot of these efforts to bring the space agency to these regions often start as educational opportunities. In Kazakhstan, there is a a space nonprofit organization that is teaching middle school, high school girls and and boys how to build CubeSats. And through the educational experience of, of building CubeSats, they teach them about space and and what all the technology is that that goes into not just designing a satellite but putting it into orbit and those educational opportunities I think is is sort of the the ground floor and and how to start growing a space ecosystem in a region that might not have it.
0: are you noticing when you when the, some of these companies are are um, they're being populated within the database have you looked at some to try to see if there is um Kind of differences in terms of the flavor? Do they have a different flavor? Like, does a does a Singaporean company can you tell that it has almost a different flavor versus a highly you know revenue or VC funded focus effort that you might see out of uh, the U.S. Do you notice kind of their their trajectory being a little different, or there maybe their tempo at which they're growing being different? or their needs if they are sharing any of this? Because it might be opaque. I think the
1: flavor depends less on the region and more about how whatever the effort is uh, gains funding. And, and I guess to an extent the, the region based off of the geographic or, or country specific uh, rules and regulations and some countries definitely support entrepreneurs and, and are very, very open to that. Singapore is, is one of them. And you see a good amount of space startups or uh, space entrepreneurs in Singapore, kind of for that reason. In India, it's m- much more difficult to have a space startup specifically. But there are some, some great ones coming out of India. But a, a huge uh, sort of uh, hurdle for those space startups is the government regulation around space companies. Uh, if you want a space startup, you basically need to work directly with the Indian Space Agency from from what I've seen. And if you don't have those contracts, it's, it's really, really hard to, uh, to get off the ground, but it's not impossible.
2: Is there a, an attempt to try to find countries that have the right kind of overlap between the amount of available investor capital and also the amount of manufacturing and intellectual infrastructure in place to take advantage of said investor capital? Because when we think of Singapore, very, very brilliant country, obviously more investor capital than they know what to do with, but they also don't exactly have a whole lot of available land from one day to the next to stand up the kind of manufacturing capacity needed for space. Do, do you see any countries trying to, that are in that position trying to find any workarounds? How do you kind of judge where this the most viable emerging space ecosystems are coming from?
1: With these these companies that I've seen, if it's difficult in the region, they often try to have sort of a home base there, but another office in another region to help gain uh, international financing and, and funding and, and support from other people kind of outside the country to, to influence the regulations with the policymakers uh, in the region.
2: Out of curiosity,
1: where's the bulk of that uh, actually occur? Uh, honestly, I think it's still here in the United States. You look at uh, companies like Rocket Lab, they launch out of New Zealand, and it's a pretty good strategic launch site, but their headquarters... Primarily for investment purposes, is is here in the United States, and they're banking heavily on uh, contracts from the U.S. government, uh, and you know they built a launch pad on the East Coast, so it's not Im- impossible, but still a large, large bulk of space investment does come from the United States, and space entrepreneurs try and get a foothold in that as as quickly as possible.
2: Are there any other players you seeing uh, kind of getting in a position where they might be able to stand a little bit more on their own two feet? I mean, Rocket Lab does do a little bit of launching uh, from their neck of the woods, and I believe I've heard them talking about trying to do more work in Australia.
1: Yes, uh, with the very new and very recent Australian space agency that was what a year, year and a half ago that that became official. There seems to be a lot more opportunities and willingness. For from the uh, Australian government to to help space entrepreneurs provide you know grants and uh, funding programs that sort of thing, so the the growth of the Australian space industry I think is going to pick up speed over over the next decade, and uh, there are investment syndicates and and groups in Australia that that are trying to to make that happen. There's one run by uh, Troy McCann, the Moonshot Space Group that that he is the the founder and creator of that is trying to to bring more uh,
2: light and focus on on the Australian space industry. If you're a European space startup, your options are you know considerably more limited because as you basically if you're going to do anything in space in Europe, you either have to have a partner in the United States or you have to go through France. Do you uh, see that holding true for the foreseeable future? I do see that holding
1: true. Uh, the European Space Agency, while they do have incubator programs for space startups through the European Space Agency, investment in space from external investors, from from what I've seen, they seem very risk averse. They're Mm. not used to investing in space companies. The European Space Agency has done everything for so long. What European investors are kind of used to, if you can say that they're comfortable with anything, is is more traditional aerospace companies and car companies and, and auto manufacturers. The uh, the auto industry is, is really, really ingrained there in in Germany. There hasn't been too much innovation in the auto industry in, in Germany, not too much terribly large innovation on the aerospace front, but they do have that aerospace valley in France that is sort of like this hub of of aerospace and to some extent, uh, space entrepreneurship and incubation, but it still seems to be very centralized. And from from what I've seen, there is a growing movement uh, like like pockets of, of uh, investors that kind of want to get into the space industry and want to put more money towards that in Europe. but it's it's not nearly as prevalent as it is in the United States and a little bit more difficult for, for space entrepreneurs. The space entrepreneurs that I've spoken with in Europe, they basically recognize that for them to gain any individual investment funding from, from people or, or specific investment groups. They either need to go abroad outside of Europe or just continually have one or two people dedicated to trying to continually gain grants from the European Space Agency to, to stay afloat.
2: Again, uh, I'm not a, we're not uh, looking for you to be the oracle here, but do you see any, any kind of uh, pushback from the business community to try to improve Europe's ability to be more entrepreneurial for at least the space industry? I hope that there's a an effort to to try and and
1: open that up to be more more open and and amenable. I don't know. That's something that
2: I would certainly like to see, but it's it's hard for me to to
1: predict the future
2: there. Right, and with the European Union, you're also dealing with the fact that a single country's economic policy might not necessarily you know no matter how in line it might be with the rest of the industry, it still has to go through the European Union's uh, economic policy. Correct, and and recently,
1: uh, the European Space Agency has said that they are developing a reusable booster, and honestly, it looks quite similar to the SpaceX design. But there's been a lot of criticism for that because this is a government entity that is trying to do this development, and uh, versus. A commercial company that the European Space Agency is then funding. They're trying to do it themselves.
2: Well, that was actually a proposal, uh, I believe, that Buzz Aldrin had uh, back in the day for how to create kind of a second class of space shuttle or something to that effect that could be a cheap, reusable booster operated by the US government and leased to the private sector. So it's not a wholly illegitimate uh, strategy going forward, especially if uh, this level of centralization inside the European economy is something they're not making any serious plans to change anytime soon.
0: It's a fundamental cultural difference that I think we have to also recognize, you know, uh I will probably contend Europe is it's no longer really a civilization, it's a culture. And they have a culture where, you know, you can you can come out of jo- a college, you can still get a job and you can have that for life. It's very difficult to sort of be uh furloughed, fired from that job. There's Um, You know, you might make less than somebody in, say, a place like the United States or maybe Canada, but you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, there's a social, there's a social contract. And then, you know, that's probably why we're not seeing as many U.S. investors who will invest in in those European companies because many investors are geographically bound. Many times they want to be able to at least take a two, three hour plane flight, be able to kick the tires on something. Not impossible to get those deals done but um, there's just a, still a more robust investor friendly way of doing things here in the US you know you have a startup you set up a Delaware C corp you can you can kind of quickly at least optically on paper hit all the right check boxes that a, that an investor doesn't necessarily have to worry about whether they're just comparing is this a good investment deal whether or not it's space focused or not i think it's interesting slightly unrelated that you know with decentralized tools, like what John has set up with initially from being a spreadsheet to now looking at a global e- ecosystem in, in, in one place um, that's uh, industry specific, that there are now ways that, you know, investors and maybe even just builders who maybe feel a little bit isolated in their uh, maybe geographic or or thematic vertical, that they can look outside and go, well, what is going on in Singapore? Or maybe I'm in Singapore and I can partner with somebody in nearby Malaysia or indonesia or south korea and do things because we have both the digital tools and you know but also there is something that it's you know when you're a builder and, and you're focused on the space industry you know you're you tend to be highly passionate and you will probably be able to reach out even if it's not physically to get to you know meet somebody else but there are now lots of ways that you know Builders can connect with other builders and founders to get the resources that they need. It's 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 maybe just a slightly different way of what maybe we're traditionally used to operating and say here in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with that. It, it's it is a bit of a cultural difference, um, but but it's certainly not impossible. And e- even the space startups that are coming out of Europe um, that are uh, arguably successful and they they've been around for for you know over over five years in some cases, they figured out the niche that they're helping out or trying to become an expert in one part of the space chain. So there's launch, there's satellites, but there's also the supporting infrastructure for all of that, like ground stations. And there's there's a, a space startup out of Italy called Leaf Space that provides ground stations as a service rather than Having a launch company or a satellite company need to build or figure out all the contracting around getting dedicated ground stations for their mission. This startup takes care of all that, and and you just work with them. So there certainly are ways to 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 branch out and and find find opportunities in the space industry. You know that that are outside the what uh, most people are familiar with when it comes to space.
2: Thanks for joining us today on Brave New Space, and tune in next time as we continue our conversation with John Tucker on emerging space hubs and the new space ecosystems.
0: Hi, listener. My new book, Space is Open for Business, is coming out soon, and I want you to get a sneak preview of it. Head on over to my website, robertjacobson.com,
2: for a first look.